Welcome to Coffee, Eggs and Inspiration. This is a special edition where I'll be talking to Simon Townsley, a photographer, about his month in the Ukraine. It's a, obviously a, a country that's been subjected to a, um, a hostile invasion. How do you even get in? Like, what are the logistics? What equipment do you need? And, and how did all of that work? So aside from all the cameras, um, you've got to take enough equipment to be able to operate independently of all of the systems that you rely on anywhere else in the world. So, uh, and that is broadly... Um, communications equipment, so yeah. satellite phones, um, something called a BGAN, which is for uploading high-speed uploads of data, so the pictures, and um, and cash. So you want to take a lot of cash with you. US um, dollars. US dollars, dollars. yeah. yeah they really. Um, you could take euros, but sterling, not so much. So, um, and then security equipment, um, um, body armor. That was important, we had to take that. So I got asked to go on a Thursday afternoon, and... By Monday, I'd assembled all of that because it turns out there's a huge shortage of body armor as soon as the war starts. It all gets bought up, right? And all the stuff that's available for leasing and rental. These and are the, the just vests gone. that you see reporters wearing. Uh... Yeah. So um, they're Kevlar vests with plates, some varying standards of plates, varying densities, um, varying numbers of plates around your body, and, and then a helmet as well, and, um, and, but some, and some medical gear as well. So tourniquets, bandages, that kind of stuff. So you must have had quite a um, an oversized. I don't know what you even carry it in a crate or they kind of come in their own or... bags. Yeah, well, like, yeah, I had far too much stuff for my liking. Um, I, you know, I try and keep it really trimmed down, but I ended up with yeah stacks of excess baggage. And I was taking body armor, and so what you forget is that you're working with other people. So I was working with a fixer, and you can't be working in a place like that wearing all the body armour and have a local fixer doesn't have anything. Right. And so we had to take body armour in for them as well. So and the helmet okay. and yeah. all the extra gear. Okay. So, you know, it turns out we had a lot of stuff. And how'd you get in? So we flew to Warsaw and then um, kind of grouped in Warsaw, picked up the rental car from the guys who were coming out. We are lucky to have that. They'd already, they'd already got hold of a rental car before the war started um, because it's quite hard to come by once things started happening because um, everything closed. And so the team that was in there, we rotated out. So they'd been in there for a couple of weeks and we went in and picked up the gear from them and got a briefing and drove in. So there were three of us and we drove in, we picked up the gear from Warsaw, said goodbye to them and drove across uh, in a seven hour, it was a seven hour drive to get down across the border. Any border control, any special procedure needed to, to cross over? Yeah, we just, you know, you're dealing with this kind of tide of people coming back the other way and and a lot of chaos, a lot of confusion, and you just need to take the initiative, find the shortest, shortest queue, and, and kind of talk your way through. There, there were no restrictions in terms of needing visas, that kind of thing. They were very happy to kind of just wave people going in. Yeah, I suppose the Ukrainians wanted you know, people like yourself there to cover what was actually going on. Yeah, I think that's it, really. I didn't ask too many questions, but it didn't take us too long to cross over, and that was a concern that it might. Yeah. How were you feeling? Like, I mean, if it were me, I'd feel super nervous and apprehensive about all of that. Yeah, well, um, I've photographed a lot of these kind of conflicts, and but none of them involve um, facing a military superpower. So, you know, I did the work in Bosnia, um, in the Gulf War, and, you know, did a lot of work in West Africa. 
um, yeah, I mean, you're dealing with a very different base when you're dealing with, you know, one of the largest um, military forces in the world, a nuclear power. So I was quite nervous about it, and we anticipated this sort of giant Russian um, just force of, of tens of thousands, um, which is in fact what happened, but, but a lightning fast, um, a, a very sophisticated, elegant operation um, with kind of sort of encircling movements and sort of very rapid um, attacks and, and, and a lot more... Um, of the kind of shelling that we saw and uh, the kind of military um, activity we saw in um, in Syria or in um, Krozny, you yeah. know, that kind of just devastating um, firepower unleashed at random. I was expecting a lot more of that. So I was pretty nervous about it. Yeah. So what, what was different? Um, you, this is the, the first conflict involving a, a superpower and a nuclear power. What was different as it, as it turned out? The scale of it. Well, I mean, and what was different was that well, one of the things that's different is because it's such an enormous, um, everything's on such an enormous scale, you can actually be quite a long way from the action because um, the country's vast. I mean, it's just immense. Um, to drive right across Ukraine, it's, it took days for us to get right across it. Yeah. Days. I mean, of course, the airspace is closed, so you have any choice. Right. You've got to drive it. And, and, and it's difficult because it's slow and because there are so many checkpoints along the road. And what places did, to, what was your itinerary? Oh, so we went to Lviv, which is um, the western, um, the major western city, and then from there, so every day we took another um, call where we would go, spoke to various people, spoke to our office. Uh, so from Lviv we went to Vinitsa, um, which is um, all heading east, and then we made a call, where do we go? So we had two other teams there, we had a team in Kiev, and another team who were down in Dnipro, which is much further east. Um, so we figured... So we were told, um, well, it looks like the Russians are going to have an amphibious landing in Odessa um, and they're massing troops there and they're not far up the coast as well. So why don't you go there? It's the Black Sea coast. It's the Black Sea coast. Yeah. So that would seem like the last place you wanted to go. But we, that's, so that's where we went. Because we that was the, the next thing, you know, everyone was talking about this um, prospective amphibious landing in Odessa, which would have been huge if it happened. So if I get my geography right, that's mm -hmm. almost uh, an angular, uh, well, certainly from north to south, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of, it's southeast of, of um, Nipro, but I mean, it's very much south. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, so not in Nipro, but Lviv. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very much on that south coast. I mean, it's a beautiful city, big city, million people. Yeah. Yeah. And you were staying in hotels? Yeah. Got a hotel down there and, um, you know, you talk around. So I have a lot of friends who are working out there who I haven't seen um, perhaps for a while or others who I've seen more re recently, but we all kind of share information. You know, you might not have seen someone for a, a couple of years, but you're still going to the same place. So, yeah, there were a couple of hotels that people were recommending. So we, we found one that was open and um, booked in a few rooms for a few nights, took it from there. Any scary moments? I'm sure many, but uh, any that stick in your mind? Well, you know, the whole thing was just terrifying, frankly, you know, and I spent my entire time being terrified, so um, I think, yeah, it was it was pretty, you know, you don't know what's happening next, what's happening next, um, and the further into it you got, the more calming it was, I think, as you became more familiar with the whole situation, and, yeah, we, as we drove out of Vinitsa on the first night, or second night, um, there was some, we were just coming up to a, a checkpoint on the way out of town. We'd spent the night in our fixer's aunt's apartment because there were no hotel rooms. And um, there'd been a lot of air raid sirens and, 
you know, initially we were very worried about air raid sirens because every time we heard them, you know, I've heard air raid sirens before during the Gulf War, I heard air raid sirens and they're quite disturbing. But um, so, so it was quite a worry. Uh, but then, and some distant explosions, that kind of thing. Uh, but we became quite familiar with them after a while. But as we did finish this, um, there was an almighty roar, just a sort of explosion of sound um, over our car, which I realised was a jet. Whose I don't know, but it was a you know a very fast jet coming over, very low, and very very fast. Jeez. And so it was there, and then it was gone. We didn't even see it. So that was slightly disturbing. But you know, it's not. We really weren't a target. It would have been very bad luck if they'd hit us. I mean, that would have just been very bad luck. And so we drove out of there, and then they did hit um, that area, um, like within the hour. But I don't think it was the jet. I think there were missiles that came from the Black Sea. Right. But nevertheless, that hit the airfield which we've been sort of driving past. Again, I think we'd have been pretty unlucky to get caught up in that. But who knows? I don't know. Well, we'll be talking about a few of these stories as, uh, as Simon's month went on. Um, for now, thanks. Uh, thanks for telling us about the logistics. Sure.